all of our ancestors were just people? What if nobody has to be a hero or a villain? If everybody can just be somebody, part of the story. So that's one of my main contentions today on this Mother's and Founder's Day. This moment when we get to look at a history of ethical culture, which is mostly a history of men as it's written. And a history of mothers, our own and mothers around the world, who are mostly women, who have been maligned, who have been over-deified, both in both ways. Ralph Ellison wrote that some people are your relatives, but others are your ancestors. And so you choose the ones you have as ancestors. You create yourself out of those values. The way I was raised, my parents were very clear with me that they were going to do what they were going to do, and I was either going to accept or reject it. That they expected me to be an adult who was either very much like them or very much not. They got the latter, but at least they were aware of it. But what's interesting is that even though on paper I am quite unlike my parents, my mother has never lived in a city with a population greater than 30,000 people. I moved here from Los Angeles. My father worked at one company for the, almost the entire of his career. He worked in a shoe shop, he started working at a rubber factory, he ended his career the vice president of that rubber factory. I have had more jobs in 35 years than my father did in 67 working years. But I'm like them still. I can't get away from being like them. My joke is that I, for a while, was so busy not becoming Linda that I started becoming Wayne. And then I was so busy not becoming Wayne that I became Linda. Caitlin and I will go and visit my parents and have moments of, I get elbowed in the side. That's you, you do that. <laughs> my poor father, a man who loves a quip, you might know about me that I love a quip, goes to use his best bits on my wife who he deeply wants to impress and finds that I've already used all of them. <laughs> Sorry, I had to be cute too, let's go. <laughs> We are all founded by some set of people. Some set of people that we got without a lot of choice. Those might be biological parents, they might be whoever raised us. They might be the elders and ancestors in whatever kind of religious community we grew up in. They might be where our blood comes from, they might be where our thought comes from. We all got handed some at the beginning, and we don't necessarily get a lot of choice about who those people are. We get choice later, right? We get to decide, I'm gonna stay in this community or not. I'm gonna seek out this other community or not. 
I have parents and grandparents who I didn't chose what I'm made by, but I also have the intellectual ancestors that I have decided on. I have the influences I picked along the way, and here's the problem, they're all disappointing too. Great and horrible, the best and the worst in one person all the time. We find this in leaders we love like Dr. King, who was a great man and a sexist, sometimes. Felix Adler, whose writings inform so much of ethical culture. Felix Adler, our founder, whose writings are in moments brilliant and so far ahead of their time and sometimes a little retrograde even for when they were. Felix Adler's problem also has something to do with women, which again, Mother's Day and Founder's Day in one is a very interesting moment. I've been slowly, because it is a slog, reading through a stack of Adler's work borrowed from Randy Best, my colleague at the Northern Virginia Ethical Society. And as I read, I take notes. These are not my books, so I don't write in them. I take notes, and in the middle of a recent page of notes, as I'm reading Adler talking about the purpose of life, I have written, is this man a eugenicist? I hope not. The conclusion I've come to is probably no. Because if I'm going to take Adler's deeds above his words, his deed above whatever creed he was creating in his language, I don't see eugenics in the choices he made. He was the founding chairman of the National Child Labor Committee in 1904, and not wanting children to die in factories is not a way that you express eugenics in behavior. There is support for everybody's life in Adler's work, but there are these phrases. The perfection of, usually he says man, We'll leave that as it is. The perfection of man. This is a hopeful and also dangerous phrase. One of those things that if we're gonna take our ancestry seriously, we gotta wrestle with where that lives. And that's true if we identify as ethical culturists, if we identify as Unitarian Universalists, if we identify as progressives, as humanists, because eugenics was such an important piece of all of those movements for a moment in the 20s and the 30s, right? Progressivism becomes equivalent to a support for eugenics. An idea that you can perfect the race. You see how this gets out of control real fast? that you can perfect humanity by lifting up the better elements and pushing down the worse, which winds up, as history showed us, in genocide. At worst, clear genocide like the Holocaust, but 
also the frequent sterilization of people with disabilities here in the United States? If you are, like I am, someone who is dedicatedly pro-choice, and I would say even that I am pro-abortion, we can talk about that some other time. You have to deal with it in the history of reproductive rights, in that Margaret Sanger, founder of Planned Parenthood, was a eugenicist, openly. Holding that tension, of people who did good things and sometimes thought bad things, people who did good and bad things, people who tried to do good things that went wrong. The urge to make humans better is, I think, a good one, and I think one we can hold on to and agree with. But it's not better when it becomes hierarchical when it becomes somebody knows better and needs to fix you. We model something better in our work with El Rodeo, with El Salvador. As a community over 14 years, I'm looking at Susan to see if my dates are right, 12, over 12 years, we have gone and built relationship with the people of one specific community in El Salvador real relationship, not um, missionary relationship, right? Everybody is familiar with the concept of a mission trip, which is you go there and you fix those people. It is usually you go there and you fix them by telling them about Jesus as if anybody on the planet has not heard about Jesus by now. You go there and you fix those people. But that's not what we do. That's not how the Washington Ethical Society practices ethical culture. No matter how much it looks like a mission trip on paper, and it can look like a mission trip on paper, what it's about is building relationships for real. Learning from the people in that community what they really need, what they want, who they are and lifting them up the way they want to be lifted up. Not saying, you know, I think that you're wrong and what you actually need is this. Not saying, well, you know, if you were just ethical culturists like us, then everything would be better for you. <laughs> and we can all imagine people who would approach it that direction, whether or not they're members of this community, I can imagine Richard Dawkins approaching it that way. It is a tough needle to thread, and it is tough to do this on a day that I want to be celebratory. But the fact is, if we're going to honor who our ancestors were, our mothers, our founders, our every single person, the ones we were handed and didn't get a lot of choice in and the ones we picked. If we're gonna honor them for real, we gotta see them as people. Full, flawed, wanting the best and sometimes falling short, just like each of us are. 
Ed Erickson, who was leader here at West from 1959 to 1971, wrote a book called The Humanist Way and describes the belief and activities of ethical cultures, ethical culture societies as such. On the 15th of May, 1976, a Sunday evening, a group of religiously-minded freethinkers assembled for the first meeting of what was to become the New York Society for Ethical Culture, the first gathering of its kind anywhere in the world. What Einstein identified later on the 75th anniversary of this event as, quote, a purely ethical conception of the religious life was the inspired thought that moved the original little band in New York City to create ethical culture. They could, of course, have organized their new society on a purely secular basis. Scientific rationalism and skepticism were in flower then, and the more iconoclastic spirits of the time were asking, why be religious in any sense? What use is it? But the organizers of the fledgling ethical movement understood the strength of religious idealism as a creative force in human life. What they still had to demonstrate was the possibility of constructing a religious society on the sole foundation of an ethical conception of faith. The new society would be inclusive in its membership. It would be neither Jewish nor Christian. Felix Adler's goal was to establish spiritual community on the common ground of a shared concern for the quality of human relationships. A new people building a new civilization required a moral faith larger and more inclusive than the traditional creeds could accommodate. If you Google, is ethical culture a religion, the first answer is no. That's very interesting. Also, every Sunday morning when I set my GPS to come here, it says that we're closed. Because Google doesn't understand that religion doesn't mean Christian. And if you are a religious organization that is open on Sunday morning, they put a little cross on your logo. And enough of our membership does not like that that it gets edited back to that we're not a religion and then they believe that we're not open on Sunday morning. It is hard, realistically, to live into this conception of something religious that is outside the boundaries of what is established. And we've been doing this for a long time. Been doing ethical culture for a long time, but the world still doesn't quite get that you can do this. Religion and religious language are also contentious here, I know. This holy word that's up here, not everybody's favorite. That's okay, actually. One of the things that we can do is do things together that aren't always our individual favorite things. And I wonder what it would look like to take seriously that Felix Adler meant to create a religion to think a little more about what religious means for us and how we communicate that to other people. For me, religion 
isn't about a list of things you have to believe or a group of people who believe all the things you believe. It's about a practice of being together, of sharing some commitments, believing that the world can be something different than it is right now, and practicing it with the people who show up to practice with. For me, religious practice, the reason I want to do it in a group rather than by myself, though there are by myself things that feed my grounding, the reason for religious organizations or disorganized religion, as I often describe <laughs> Unitarian Universalism and now ethical culture, the reason for it is a practice space is somewhere to go, to learn and think together, but also to practice treating each other differently, to practice sharing what we have better, to practice lifting each other up without patronizing each other, without paternalism, without the idea that one of us knows better than everybody else. I don't think that leadership is about telling you what to do. I don't think that my job is about telling you how to be you. I'm the one who talks because I said, hey, I'll do it, and you said yes. That's ultimately how this happened. My job, as I see it, and my job as I think Felix Adler might have seen it in this day, is to help you remember who you are. Is to help you remember that you can be better than your worst impulses. That when you fall short, you are still beloved. That you still matter. To help you remember that everybody else is as somebody as you in all the best and worst ways. What religion is, what holy is for me, in our context, is the opportunity to see each other for real. To disagree in a way where we can see each other's good intentions behind places where our conclusions aren't lining up. to help each other be as alive as possible. I think when we do religion well, we get to feel alive and ourselves and together in a way that I've found nothing else can do. I want us to think today on this Founders Day about how complicated absolutely everybody is. And about how we can talk about the complicated, imperfect thing we love enough to get out of bed on Sunday morning for. To tell people, hey, I go somewhere and we do religion, but not like that. I spend a lot of time, sidebar, saying, I'm a minister, but not like that. 
My mother exclusively calls this place the not church. <laughs> the other day we were on the phone and she said, well, what's your sermon for Sunday about? Do they call them sermons? What do they call them at the not church? Mm -hmm. Platforms, I said. At the Knot Church, we call them platforms. <laughs> okay, what's your platform about for Sunday? <laughs> and it's easy enough. Right? You can say, I go to a place that is like a Sunday morning service. We do something different. I go to a place that is my religious community. I go to a society. You can say it however you want to say it, but translate a little bit because people don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it is worth it to hold our heroes lightly and ourselves equally lightly. It is worth it to share the things we have without needing them to be perfect before we've shared them. So that is my hope for all of us on this Founders and Mother's Day while we figure out some greater accessibility along the way. We are in progress. We are in process. We are becoming something that our ancestors dreamed about. And also probably something they had nightmares about. <laughs> and that's the world and that's life. And here we are in it. As you reflect after this and try to decide if you're gonna come and say something at the mic, if you're someone who's been a member for a longer amount of time and you have a story about the people who got us here, or especially the women who got us here, I would really appreciate hearing them. I'm still learning our history, and history is a collective project. You will always know things that I don't know. So please share them with all of us, but with me in particular today. Thank you. Thank you, KC. <laughs> in a few minutes, we will have our community sharing time when you can write into the chat or share in person about what resonated with you in this morning's platform. While we listen to today's musical response, you might prepare by reflecting on a personal experience or an activity at West that the platform brings to mind, or as KC requested, uh, a story, perhaps. 
Our response music today is Hail the Glorious Golden City, and it is a recording, but Perry Bider will take a moment to tell us a bit more about that. Perry? Thank you, Judy. So you may have noticed that we are a smaller chorus today. There are only seven chairs along the wall there. Uh, in particular, our entire alto section is either on the injured list or traveling or hosting out-of-town family today. But it didn't seem like it would be Founders Day without Felix Adler's words in four-part harmony. So we recorded Hail the, Golden, Hail the Glorious Golden City on Wednesday at our rehearsal.
This is the time when we add our own voices to the morning, sharing our reflections on the platform or what resonates with our personal experience. For online participants, I invite you to share in the Zoom chat or in the comments if you're watching the recordings later. If you are here in person, you can come to the microphone here on the floor and share your brief comments or a story um, so that, and, well, you know, this sentence doesn't make that much sense anymore because Casey invited us to share a story. Anyway, um, so please, uh, let's start by checking to see, sorry, what's um, online participants may have had an opportunity to write. And uh, let's see here, one second. Uh, Jeff Mehal, joining from afar. Great sermon, uh, I mean platform, Casey, on the subject of women at West. In 1997, a career reversal required that I leave the DC area to stay with my mom, who was then living outside of Pensacola, Florida. I was morose and deeply missing the West community when one day I received a postcard, remember those, from Mary Herman, which simply read, please come, Jack, come, excuse me, please come back, Jeff, you are so missed. I knew then that I had to return. Okay. I'm sure that folks will uh, have more to say, but let us, um, move to uh, commenters in the hall. Please, if you are uh, going to speak, begin by saying your name and if you'd like to share your pronouns. And you can take your mask off to speak into the mic. Uh, I see that we have a couple folks. I'm Eric Moyer, uh, they, them, and uh, I'm actually responding to the uh, music uh, the, by Felix Adler because uh, in a previous time, I was part of a uh, community that uh, revered the Bible strongly. and. Near the end of the Bible, there is a depiction of a enormous sort of moon-sized planet, a uh, moon-sized city, cubicle, coming down um, where the righteous will dwell forever. And one of the things that the community I was part of realized so the city was called the New Jerusalem. And it is, the description of the city is very uh, ornate and probably allegorical. And one of the things the city, that the community realized about the city is that it is a depiction of the righteous. We are, in, the, in, that, in that song, we are, the glorious city. We are, this community that we are building is the new Jerusalem. It is not a thing uh, of something 
that is going to happen in the future to other people. This is what we are building here today, is we are building a glorious city, a community that can be our home and that can make the world a brighter and more excellent place. Good morning, I'm Karen. I use per, pers pronouns. And I, um, in response maybe a little bit to this question about eugenics, which I think is really an important thing for us indeed to wrestle with, is um, a phrase that Don Montagna, who was a longtime leader here, um, used to say, um, which also I think ties into some of the ideals of ethical culture and this idea of like uplift, if you will, and it is that I love you just the way you are and too much to let you stay that way. And, and I think that really gets at that, both that the inherent worth and dignity of every human being and that we are all worthy and wonderful human beings and that we all have the potential to grow into a greater sense of self and a, a, a larger influence in the world. And so um, I think that's uh, a way that I like to think about what that means to improve as human beings without perhaps being eugenicist. Good morning. Um, I'm Loretta Newman. I've been coming to West for almost 30 years, uh, 1994 was my first time. Actually, I'd been coming as a guest, but I mean to really come uh, and to become a member in 1996. Um, I want to ask, oh, KC wanted us to mention women that have been part of it, uh, Wes, and I, there are two that I feel very strongly I should, well, the new people who who are here should know about them, and those of us who've been here a long time should never forget them because they're no longer here in the room with us, but they're, they're still alive, so I'm not talking about people who have died. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. Whoa. One is Mary Herman. Um, Mary was this little petite person full of verve, and she was the adjunct, was the assistant leader? What was her title? Anyway, a community leader. She was amazing. And I remember one time when she talked, she gave and like Casey, she had a good sense of humor. Um, and I remember one time she gave a talk about community and that and this community. And what she did, she got up, she said, it's like, you know, that old son, you have one foot in and one foot out, and then she would shake it all out. And she did this little dance around the stage. Um, and it really, yes, of course, we're in and we're out and, and we're here. Um, that was Mary. And she now, is, excuse me, lives in Amherst, uh, Massachusetts. The other is Lynn Wayman, and Lynn used to teach one of the classes, many classes, but the one that I remember the most and, and learned a lot from was one about relationships. And, and in that one, she, um, she had, but also talked about ourselves. We can't have a good relationship without having good feelings about ourselves. And she said, you know, there's this thing in the back of your head. You, you hear this when you're doing something wrong and you feel I'm bad and I've done something, you remember all these awful things you've done. She said, don't think of it that way. Don't think of it as a critic. Think of it as a coach. Think of it as somebody helping you to do better. And think of it as a positive way. Don't get depressed by it. Use it as, as a, you would use a coach. And I still to this day do that and I thank Lynn for that uh, forever. Thank you.
Hi, my name is Sonia Coopers. My pronouns are she and her. I was actually inspired to come up after listening to what Karen was saying um, because I don't agree. Um, so so I, I do not agree that it is appropriate to want other people to be better than they are. Um, I believe that we should choose in our relationships and in our community um, people and places that inspire us to be better than we are. Hi, Perry Biter, he, him. Um, the main reason that I wanted to come up here is just so I could take off my mask and show my reaction to this platform. Thank you, Casey. But while I'm here, I will put out another name that old timers will recognize, and that is Joel Silverman. Joel was, uh, I don't know what her title was, but uh, her role was basically Mother Hen. And uh, many people joined Wes uh, thanks to gentle prodding, shall we say? Uh, I don't think she went so far as to actual twist anybody's arm, but uh, Joel was a very welcoming presence who not only helped get people in the door and on the membership roles, but connected with uh, the activities and the programs and uh, finding ways for them to uh, really get involved and to contribute to the life of the community. Hi, I'm Sue Jacobson. I've been at West since 1977, and I grew up in the Westchester Ethical Society, so it's always been my religion. Um, in the early days, that sign up there did not say where people come where people meet to seek the highest. It said the place where men meet to seek the highest as holy ground. And I don't remember exactly when, I think probably in the 1980s that was changed. And that wasn't just true at West, that's at all ethical societies, that it didn't say men and it now says people. And Wes, and in Felix Adler's day, all the leaders, professional leaders of ethical societies were men. And even when Don Montagna was here and was our leader, we trained three female leaders in training, Judith Espencheed, Judy Toth, and Susan Baggett. And Judy then went to St. Louis, Judith Espencheed was part-time here, and Susan Baggett, I believe, was the first leader in Northern Virginia. So Wes has had a big part in the training of more female leaders, among the many things that Wes does. Okay, so there have been, thank you for those who have shared their um, comments here. There are some other things that have come in on Zoom. Um, 
Cynthia Goodman, who I know is uh, tuning in frequently on Sunday mornings, uh, remotely, says the platform was also about remembering our humility, that we are not perfect, but we need to acknowledge where we've come up short and at the same time, appreciate our and each other's good parts and good intentions. Yes, we are all really complicated. Patty Absher says, I have seen what people working together in the practice area our West religion affords us. <clears throat> Just this morning, I received a message from Sue Smith, who has been tracking the first Afghanistan family West helped transition to their new home in the USA. The family has both parents working and the mom, Fahima, I hope that's right, has become a US citizen. Wonderful. Dad is about to follow suit, and the oldest child is going into the ninth grade. All right. We worked through many crises and shared our agreements and disagreements to make this success story. Yay. I'm very excited. Paul Baker uh, reiterates what um, uh, Sue said about uh, it's worth remembering that Wes also trained two female ethical leaders, Susan Baggett and Judy Toth, and Judith Espensheed was involved, um, and Mary Herman. So uh, clearly the name Judy is well, well supported in this community. All right. Um, so just checking to make sure I didn't miss anything. Okay, thank you everyone who shared their thoughts and stories and attention and oh goodness. So just as we share our perspectives in this community, so too do we share our resources and gifts. Here at WES, we split all undesignated gifts uh, in the Sunday collection between our operating budget and a fund dedicated to justice and compassion. This month, we're doing something a little different, sharing not with an organization, but with our dear friend and community member, Balthazar Ayala. As many of you know, Balthazar and his family have provided custodial services to West for more than 35 years, and he recently suffered a big financial hit with the theft of his truck and tools and other items. An appeal for direct support to Balthazar uh, was sent out a couple of weeks ago, and you're welcome to contribute to that or to today's collection to be shared between him and Wes's operating budget. So let us all take a moment to prepare to respond to the invitation to generosity as we're able. To donate online through the Simple Give system, text an amount to 202-335-1885 or go to tiny.cc slash westgives or click on Give on our website at ethicalsociety.org. To donate in person today, just place cash or check in the basket at the back of the hall on your way out, and you can always send a check by mail. Yes, we do still accept those. 
Thank you all for your generosity, and now we will receive your gifts and the gift of more live music. particularly like the lyrics of that. <laughs> it is delightful. <clears throat> thank you to, thank you so much to the many people who helped create this morning's time together. Excuse me, senior leader Casey Slack, staff members Andara Miles, Robin Kravitz, Tamana Barangi, Maceo Thomas, and Leah Morris. <clears throat> Today's guest musicians, the West Chorus, and, um, and friends. <laughs> Our platform production team, including the tech team members, slide artists, Zoom chat usher, and in-person greeters, whose names you'll see on the closing credits slide. At the conclusion of the platform, please join us for social hour, either here or via Zoom. First, though, I want to meet, uh, mention a few things upcoming in the life of our community. The West Memorial Day camping trip is back. <laughs> the dates are May 26th through 29th. You can come for one night or more, or even just stay for the day. And the fun takes place less than an hour from West at Cedarville State Forest in Brandywine, Maryland. 
check the West website or contact, um, I don't see Abby here this morning, but um, Abby Dagan, um, who you, is, is uh, a, a good contact. This afternoon, the virtual meeting of the biology reading group is at 1 p.m. and the virtual meeting of the Earth Ethics Action Team is at 1.30. And that is it for my announcements. As always, you can find information about opportunities to connect in the weekly news and notes email and on the calendar page of Wes's website, ethicalsociety.org. When you read your news and notes email, take a look at the very bottom of the message to see if there's words, something like message clipped, click here to view entire message. On some devices and some browsers, part of the message may not be being displayed. So check to make sure that uh, you haven't missed any of the information shared in those weekly emails. All kinds of good stuff. Thank you all for being part of Platform today, whether in person, via Zoom, or watching later. I now invite you to join in singing our Song of the Month, led virtually by Leah. Good morning, Wes. This song of the month was written by Melanie Damore. And the refrain, we'll sing first and then we'll bring in the verses and build it up together. They say yes, they say all right, they say yes, all right, all right, they say yes. They say yes. They say, all right, they say, yes, all right, all right, they say, yes. They say, yes, they say, all right, they say, yes, all right, all right, they say, yes. Hold your head up and say, say, yes, keep your heart wide open and say, say, yes. Seek the light and let it shine. All right, all right, all right. Say, say yes. Say, say all right. Say, say yes. All right, all right. Say, say yes. Say, say yes. Say, say all right. Say, say yes. All right, all right. Say, say yes. Keep your mind straight and say, say yes. Don't you hesitate and say, say yes. Hold the line, we are right on time. All right, all right, all right. Say, say yes. Say, say all right. Say, say yes. All right, all right. Say, say yes. Say, say yes. Say, say all right. Say, say yes. All right, all right. Say, say yes. Say, say yes. Say, say all right. Say, say yes. All right, all right. Say, say yes. Say, say yes. Say, say all right. Say, say yes. All right, all right. Say, say yes. Say yes, say yes, say
I love it that, that we get more than one Leah in those recordings. I think that's great. Uh, a few last reminders before we leave. If you are new to our community, please send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, and introduce yourself. Or you can, if you are here, come and say hello. For those who wish to socialize online to reach virtual coffee hour, point your browser to tiny.cc slash westcoffeehour. And now I invite you to join me in our closing words for the month. Let us go into the week ahead with compassion, understanding, and commitment, caring for ourselves, each other, and the world around us, while celebrating and developing the creativity which is our birthright. Again, thank you so much for joining today's platform, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.